This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. When you're injured and are unable to work, the last thing you want to think about is fighting big insurance companies to get what you're owed. Savan Tumarkin, partner and personal injury and insurance lawyer, joins us now to talk about some of the issues you might face when you go on disability leave. And certainly we invite your questions, 416-360-0740, Savan, welcome to Zoomer Media. Thank you, Jane. We'll start with the basics. What is long-term disability and why is it relevant or perhaps more relevant to our Zoomer audience? It's an excellent question. Long-term disability uh, is essentially a uh, salary continuation plan. It's, it's, it's an insurance plan that in the event that you are uh, ill or you're disabled because of an injury, you had a car accident, something happened, you're unable to work, Long-term disability insurance is there to supplement your income. And depending on the policy, they will pay, let's say, two-thirds of your monthly salary or they will pay 70%. It really depends on the plan. But the idea is that if you are disabled or you fall ill and you can't work, you have that net, that safety net that kicks in. And that's why it's important because a lot of people who are, you know, they're 55, they're 56, 60 years old, they have obligations. Perhaps they paid their mortgage, but perhaps they're helping their kids through school. You know, we all have obligations. What do you do if you can't work and you're not getting money in? That's the importance of long-term disability. It's a safety net. Do you have to have been injured or hurt on the job, or it's just in, within, in your life while you're working for this company paying into group benefits? It's also a, a, a very good question. No, there's no limitation on that. It, it's it's policy-specific. Different policies have different requirements, but generally speaking, the test is, uh, are you able to do your job? Can you perform uh, the substantive aspects of your job? And if, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you were injured outside of work or uh, you've fallen ill, I have a lot of clients that uh, you know just developed an illness. Perhaps it was a genetic thing. That doesn't matter. The test is, can you do your work? If you can't, because of a disability and because and if it's supported by medical documentation by uh, medical practitioners then you should be able to qualify. And how is it different from short-term disability? So say I'm thinking about uh, mental stress and you need to take a couple of months off. Oftentimes, long-term disability doesn't kick in for six months, right? So what is the difference between those two forms of, of receiving benefits? That's correct. Short-term disability generally kicks in uh, as soon as you become disabled. And, and, you know, with some people out there, when you work for a company, they may not even have short-term disability, so you may have have to go on uh, unemployment insurance under sick benefits. And so you're getting that. But usually there's a qualifying period. There's a certain period of time where uh, you can't apply yet for LTD, for long-term disability. So short-term disability, a lot of employers do have that or they have insurance with a short-term disability insurer. Uh, they will kick in in the event that you can't work. Long-term disability uh, is that safety net in the long term. What happens if you can't work 
after six months, after eight months, after a year, after two years. Uh, that's, the, that's the main difference between the two. Is it indefinite? So I'm paying into my plan, whatever it is, $27 twice a month for long-term disability. Um, say I lose my voice. Say my vocal cords get severed. I can't do... How long will I get, knock on wood, by the way, how long would I get long-term disability? Well, let, let, let's... Certainly hope that doesn't happen. Yes, but, exactly. It's a uh, bit extreme, isn't it? It's, it's extreme, but, but, but you know, these things do happen. And, and, you know, we were speaking just before we started the show about what happens if you have an orthopedic surgeon. Something happens and, you know, the, the doctor can't use his hand or her hand to do surgery. Uh, you know, what happens if that's a long-term thing? In other words, he'll never be able to do that or she'll never be able to do that. Uh, does the long-term disability carry them until uh, age 60, 65, 70? It's policy-specific. Generally speaking, most long-term disability policies will take you to the age of 65. Okay. Some of them will have shorter time frames. They'll say we'll only cover you for five years, let's say. Some of them will say we'll take you beyond 65. But the majority of these policies will take you to age 65. So that's a good scenario to be in if you're 45 or 50, and, yes. and God forbid something happens to you, but you are covered by these premiums that you that Correct. you've been making and your company's been making on your behalf. Correct. The only the only caveat here that I would um, I would outline is that insurance companies, generally speaking, are in the business of making money. That's the model. And so what happens uh, when you apply for disability? And let's say you are approved for it. Uh, can you simply sit back and, and not do anything and just assume that you're going to get paid until you're 65 years old, until it's time to retire? No. Uh, insurance companies often take certain active steps to, I, I, to either get you back into work or at some point they may say, look, we need more documentation to support your ongoing disability. And, you know, where I generally see people coming to me and, and calling me in distress is when they're saying, look, I've been on disability for a year or for two years or for three years. Nothing has changed. I've done everything my doctor told me to do. But the insurance company is now saying that they don't think I am that disabled. They think I should be able to do something. I should be able to go back to work. So, of course, that adds a lot of stress. But what happens when the insurance company says, okay, enough is enough? Come May 1st, we're going to cut you off. Hmm. That's where people get really panicked, and that's when I get these panicked phone calls, and people just don't know what to do because they can't go back to work. The employer is supporting uh, the employee. They're saying, listen, until that person is 100% good to go, we can't offer them this employment, and, and people don't know what to do because they're not going to have this money coming in, and they think that you know, it's the end of the world. Is this scenario ringing true for you? I'm sure uh, there are some of you out there who are, fit the description of what Sivan Tumarkin is talking about. We have an expert right here in the studio, free of charge. So give us a call, 416-360-0740 or one 740 Barb in Burlington, you're on the line with Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Oh, we lost Barb. That's okay. We've got, I've got lots of questions myself. Excellent. Now, in terms of, I mean, where you come in as an insurance lawyer, you would obviously go to bat for an employee in the situation that you just described. Correct. Does your, is your employer not somewhat obligated to be involved as well? It really depends. Some employers will simply say, look, this is between you and the insurance company. Uh, oftentimes, they want a hands-off approach. They don't want to deal with this. And so the person is left on their own to deal with this mammoth insurer. And, and you know, one of the questions I often get is, how do I deal with an insurance company? I'm, I'm an individual. I'm disabled. Uh, I, I, I don't have, uh, you know, the resources to take on this insurance company, this Goliath. 
And I really like it when they say Goliath because then it reminds me of the story of David and Goliath. And, of course, we all remember who won that battle. Right. So keep in mind, insurance companies are in the business of making money. And the way they make money is by resolving claims. It's not by fighting these claims. And I'm telling you this, Jane, from the standpoint of someone who worked for insurers in the past. I used to be a defense lawyer. And my instructions from my principals at the insurance companies were, if you get a claim on your desk, try to resolve it. Doesn't matter that we told this person they don't deserve the money, we think they can go back to work. If there is an insurance lawyer on the other side, you try to resolve the claim. And so we, we were able to equalize the, uh, the playing field. We're able to, 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 to either continue the benefits for our clients, and I've done that before, right? We've started claims against insurance companies only for the insurance companies to come back and say, okay, you know what? Uh, you've, 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 you've done what you had to do to support the claim. We, we understand that we were wrong. We will pay retroactively whatever we, we, we owed you to the point where we cut you off, and we're going to reinstate you. Uh, so anyways, to circle back to the question you asked at the beginning, a lot of employers don't want to deal with this, but if the employer is assisting the individual, they are confirming that this individual really does need you know, both their hands to work, for example, uh, and, and at this point they can't, that is helpful. Absolutely. 416-360-0740, John in Toronto, you have a question for Sivan? Yes, I do. Uh, it's a little late now, I think, but uh, uh, eight, almost eight years ago, I suffered a quadru- I had a quadruple bypass and a stroke, and uh, I eventually got onto long-term disability, and they only gave it to me for two years through Blue Cross. And the company was sold in the meantime, and when I was finally able to go back to work, they said they they said that the, the position that I had was no longer available to me because uh, the company had been sold and I couldn't go back to the retail division of the company and I had to go to the wholesale division of the company and they had nothing for me. So they gave me a small severance package and said, see you later. And I was a little bit, I was a little very, little, very surprised about it. Is there any recourse? Any recourse in that situation, Sivan? Well, John, let, let me let me take you back for a second. You said that you were cut off after two years on being on LTD. Is that correct? Yeah. What was yeah. the reason you were cut off? Oh, they just said they just said that after two years it expired. Okay, I, I can tell you that that's probably not the case. Uh, the problem is that now, you know, eight years later or six years later, uh, there's a limitation period in Ontario for uh, making a recovery on these kinds of claims, and that's a two-year limitation period. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there who would probably be in your position where at the two-year mark or close to the two-year mark, they're being told, that's it, you're not entitled to any more benefits. That's absolutely nonsense. So long, so long as, in fact, you cannot go back to work. Now, John, I'll I'll say something else as well. Uh, Even if your employer went out of business, the company's no longer there, so long as as you had qualified for long-term disability, when that disability plan was in place... It doesn't matter that the company is no longer there. You should have been entitled to get uh, a compensation uh, from from the insurance company that would take you much further than the two years. I mean, having a stroke, having uh, the bypass that you have, no question in my mind that uh, had had somebody been engaged back then, somebody who understood the insurance aspects of the case, uh, you, you, you would have received significant compensation from the insurance company. The severance issue is a completely different issue. And, and you know, on, on, on that note, I can tell you that at our firm, uh, the two areas of practice are employment law 
and disability law. So generally, when I have individuals coming to me and they have that uh, both issues, both from a severance standpoint and disability, uh, we immediately get someone on the employment side involved because they will deal with the severance. They will make sure that whatever severance you're entitled to, you will get. And clearly here, it seems like it was deficient. And how long ago was this, John? How how many years ago? Uh, this is not coming up on eight, which is, which I obviously I wish I would have known back then. Right. That that this that this was there because I got very, you know, as as the gentleman said, I get very very nervous and scared because, you know, I really I really couldn't uh, function in my job properly, and they offered me a job on the on the uh, on the floor of the warehouse working to lift 50 pound bags and i had been a district manager for in the retail division before oh, that so nothing so, even nothing even comparable well I, I can tell close. you john john I, I can tell you i can tell you that even though i don't do employment law i work with enough employment lawyers to know that the company would have had an obligation to accommodate you and if they did not accommodate you they could simply not give you you know pittance for severance they would have been they would have had to pay a lot more uh, if 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 they in fact came out and said listen we have nothing else for you now we do have to yeah. take a break here but just wondering in situations like john can is is this a retroactive fight can you go back and fight something that's 8 years old no you can't there's okay. a 2 year limitation period uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Good it's to know, John. Too bad. But thank you for your call. Maybe you'll help somebody else out I, there. Oh, I hope I did. Okay. Thank you. Thank 416-360-0740, 1-866-744-740. Questions about disability insurance, long-term disability insurance, and your and answers here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back with Savan Tumarkin and Jane Brown. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. You, if you're an employee, you see it come off your paycheck every couple of weeks, long-term disability, you're paying into it. What are you owed should you ever need it? We are speaking with Savan Tumarkin, partner and personal injury and insurance lawyer, and uh, learning a lot here today about long-term disability. What if you can't afford a lawyer to fight the long-term disability insurer? Well, that's that's the big concern that many people have. Uh, the reality is that... Uh, any lawyer that knows what he or she is doing in this area of law, first of all, when you call us, we're talking on the phone. Within five minutes of speaking with you, I can assess whether or not you have a case. In other words, whether I can do something for you or not. And the way that generally lawyers like myself work is on a contingency. What does that mean? It means you're not paying anything. We get a percentage of whatever we recover at the end, and the percentage varies. It depends on the situation. But what's important to understand is you're not uh, uh, paying anything up front. You're not even paying anything uh, at the end unless you actually recover money. So in that way, your interests and the lawyer's interests are aligned. It's like somebody selling your house. They're not getting paid until the house is sold. And they want to make sure that your house is sold for as much as possible. Okay. And just to make sure that uh, you're not being taken advantage of by the legal system, what sort of percentage would be acceptable? What percentage of the settlement that you're going to see? So they vary, and it depends on the situation, because sometimes you have settlements where there is a retroactive payment and they reinstate you, meaning you're continuing now to get uh, benefits on a monthly basis. And there's some settlements where uh, we negotiate with the insurance company such that they pay you retroactively. So let's say they cut you off LTD a year ago. Well, 
you know, there is that year's worth of income that they owe you, but what about the future benefits? And there's going to be some calculation for that. And so that's a different percentage. So generally speaking, you're looking in anywhere from 20, 25%, maybe 30%, depending on the lawyer in terms of uh, the, the contingency. But keep in mind, uh, when people call an insurance lawyer, they're calling them because the insurance company cut them off. In other words, they're not getting anything. They're not getting anything. The insurance company is assuming you're just going to walk away. And if you can get the right lawyer to represent you, then th that lawyer, if they assess the case correctly, can force the insurance company to fork out exactly what you are owed, what you would be allowed to get under a legal system. Right. So your legal bill will be a lot, but you will be receiving double what your lawyer receives at least, or well, maybe triple. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, if you're not getting anything, and at the end of the day, your lawyer gets you a dollar and charges you 30 cents for that dollar, you didn't have that dollar in the first place. So that's the point. The concern is what happens if you go to a lawyer and the lawyer says, uh, you know, I want you to give me $5,000 right now. That should not happen in my okay. view. If you are disabled, you're, you're not getting money in, you can't afford a lawyer. That's just the reality. The majority of us can't. And so this is why in this area of practice, the majority of lawyers will wait to get paid at the end. So if somebody wants upfront money, go get a second or third opinion. That's, that would be what I would do, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wayne from Sutton, you have a question for Sivan? Uh, yes, I do. Um, it's actually for a friend of mine. Uh, he's on uh, long-term disability. Uh, he collects uh, on uh, ODSP. And um, anyway, it's taken several years uh, to get severance and back wages paid. And now he's afraid because he's not allowed to earn an income because it's per, um, uh, because it's a permanent disability. And um, if he collects the money, he's afraid he's going to have to. He might get cut off from um, ODSP. Will that happen? And uh, uh, what's his tax position on it? So Wayne, let me, let me just understand. He's on ODSP, but you also mentioned long-term disability. Do you mean well, he's on? Yeah, right. through ODSP. Yes. Okay. So, so for the listeners out there, ODSP is Ontario Disability Program, yeah, uh, and, and that's that's a government-run program. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 logic here, or the answer to your question, is that uh, you, you can't have you can't have it both ways. You can't collect from the government and at the same oh, on the basis that you're not getting paid uh, income or severance, right? Because severance is income essentially unless it's characterized differently, you can't get both because had you received this income, you wouldn't qualify for ODSP. Now, if he receives this severance and doesn't tell ODSP and they find out later, well, guess what? That's a problem. He doesn't want to be in that position. So what I tell my clients, and that's not only with ODSP, that's with CPP disability, that's with any program out there, Ontario Works, any one of those government programs, they're, they're going to have certain requirements, and you want to make sure that you comply with those requirements. And they all have, I think, toll-free numbers you can call and just find out, even anonymously. So my recommendation would be for him, if he's really concerned about this, to call ODSP up and to tell him, here's the situation. If he doesn't do that, right, if he just buries his head in the sand, it could come back and bite him. I see. Yeah, so the, the problem was that he, he went uh, about a year and a half or longer to collect the ODSP, and so he didn't have any income from any source. He was uh, he worked for the city, and he didn't have any income from any source. And uh, so anyway, this is part of that uh, money that was owed to him that he's finally got after several years. Right, and and you know we typically see these kind of situations happen also when you get EI unemployment insurance, and then you get severance. You know, do you have to inform EI of this? Listen, at the end of the day, if you are collecting ODSP for January of 2016, but you also received 
income for that month. It doesn't matter that the income came six months later. You're receiving income. You can't be earning both that income for January of 2016 and the ODSP payment for 2016. And some people out there will say, well, you know what? I went through a lot. I'm owed that. The concern is that if they find out, he's going to be paying – there's going to be penalties, and, and he doesn't want to be in that position. So, Van, there may be people who are listening who don't feel comfortable telling their story on the radio for any number of right. reasons. Um, uh, certainly, you'll take calls and emails afterwards. So provide us with some contact information. Well, there, there are two ways to contact – well, there's a multitude of ways, but my <laughs> direct number at the office is 416-216-5910. Again, that's 416 216 5910. Uh, that's my direct number. But there's also a website called mydisabilityquestions.ca. Again, mydisabilityquestions.ca. And when you go to that website, you'll see that you can actually post questions anonymously. I get them on my phone and I answer them as soon as I can. So Fantastic. it can be within two minutes, an hour, but you get an answer and it's anonymous. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. We all learned a lot today. Sivan Tumarkin, partner and personal injury and insurance lawyer. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.